0: This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com.
1: What happened earlier this week in Minnesota and what's happened too often in our country has made me sick and has made a lot of Americans sick. It's wrong. It's unacceptable. We have to do better. We have to demand better. What I will say is this. I want to be a part of the answer in any way I can. It may be a small part. But I can't stand on the sidelines while my players, my staff, their sons and daughters, our fans, and so many others live with fear and injustices. That's John Calipari, Kentucky basketball coach, and continuing the conversation. You know, I do think the conversation is good. I do think we've had conversations before, Mm -hmm. and I'm not saying they haven't led anywhere. Listen, there's a there's a coalition in the NFL. I think that came out of the Colin Kaepernick situation, uh, if I'm not mistaken. I think that's where it was born. I think the San Francisco 49ers just donated another million dollars to it. I don't know, if I'm being honest, uh, and, I, and I will plead a little ignorance here, I don't know – if that's come a long way in terms of the work that they want to get done, I, I, I see it from time to time. I see uh, whether it's press releases on, on what's being done, efforts to for things to be done in the, each community. Um, so I, I would say it's working. It feels like it's working to some, some degree. Uh, is it enough? Is it working enough, you know, and, and – I I guess I always say this, like, why do we need these mechanisms to make it work? You know, kind of goes back to what I said. But, I mean, I I guess that's super naive. That's being naive because it's not that way. So um, uh, I I do think uh, these things are in place, but uh, it's like kind of a little tired of the talk. Yeah. Well, no, in, but- in the sense, which I would assume you think I'm tired. I mean, I, I would say <laughs> if I was a, a, a minority, yeah. if I'm the black community, I would say I'm a little tired of the talk. I need more action. No, absolutely. I mean, but the talk is I mean, some of the talk, the talk out of Atlanta with the with the mayor and uh, the activist, uh, I think his name is Mike. I, I don't know his full name, but was unbelievable. The words. Yeah. Powerful words. You know, you think about powerful words in our in our country history, and you think of Martin Luther King, mm-hmm. Jr. And so, like if these were powerful words being said. They're they're. I don't know if they're more powerful than other words. Mm-hmm. I don't know if some of the actions are more powerful than they've been. Uh, my curiosity is: in two weeks, are we still talking about it to this length? Uh, are are people doing things about it, or are mm. we still
2: talking about it? Yeah, you know, with, with, with the, the com Killer Mike or whatever, but he he's yeah, from yeah. R- Run the Jewels. Um, but he's been I mean, he's with he was with Outcast for a while. He's done a lot of things with a lot of different rappers and everything. But like what I I mean I got a lot out of that. You know, and obviously that was uh, that was viral the moment that it hit. But um, just the pride for his city. Right, because, I mean, it, it, if you see the emotion in his face or anything that he was talking about, I mean, he just wants to make sure Atlanta's going to be okay. You know, like, that's the place he grew up. That's yeah. where his family's on. And he was very adamant about saying that he had a lot of family members on the police department as well. You know, and he wanted to see him come home. So, like, I think he was, more than anything, he just wanted to see his city flourish. You know, and he, he didn't want to see his city crumble and and get set on fire, if you will. So, like, the, that's a prime example of, of a guy. And, obviously... Uh, of, a, of a mayor who realized that, like, listen, Killer Mike's a huge influence. He's got the new album, Run The Jewels, coming out pretty soon. Like, I mean, he's a big influence not only to white people, but also black people. You mm-hmm. know, he's, a, he's an influence to everybody. So um I thought it was a great call to have him just come out and just say some words. Now, yeah, did, did, did he did he curse a little bit? And then maybe, you know, some kids are watching, um you know, maybe some parents were like, oh, we'll cover your ears. Well, so be it. Some you things know? need to be said. Some things need to be said. It was, yeah, a, great, it was exactly. a great eight, eight minutes. It, 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 was, it was an awesome eight minutes. And, you know, and uh, I, I think enough can't be said what you said too, though, Brent, right? Because right now, if you go on Twitter, if you go on Facebook, if you go on the news, there's a lot of rhetoric being thrown around. There's a lot of opinions. Um, Everyone's got a stance and everyone's super passionate as they should be. But you just, it's, it's so much to absorb. It's so much to take in that even the most passionate person can kind of be turned off a little bit. But I thought you put it very eloquently. Well, you just basically said, just do better. You know, like you, you, just have to be better. I mean, it, it starts with that, and then it can go from there. And I think that warrants saying over and over again, of just be better. I'm, I'm on every side. You know, just be better. So I thought that was great on your part. Well, yeah, as well. I mean, do the let's well,
1: Spike Lee, right? Do the right thing. Yeah, do the right thing. I mean, uh, yeah. I guess I didn't when Spike Lee's saying it in the in the in the context of commercials yeah. and everything. I. I guess they don't dig deep enough into it and by like, hey, that's what he meant, maybe <laughs> yeah, for right? sure, for sure. Even back then, yeah. Um, but it's applicable to me in any day, and you know, mm-hmm. whether we're talking about race or, or we're talking about just life in general. I mean, I say it to my kids a lot, so uh, why not simplify it? And and these things just wouldn't. I'm not saying they wouldn't happen. Not everybody's going to do the right thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I, I do think there's this huge emphasis on we always want to be right. We've, we're so stuck on our. Um, our own little missions or what we believe or agendas and and uh and and just do do the right thing mm-hmm. uh, is is not a bad a little simple statement right now. Maybe Spike could bring it back at a higher level. For sure. Uh than than I just said. Uh Brett Martin, of Austin Lane Coos here on a Monday uh coming off uh and a weekend of unrest in in the United States, and it's prompted discussion here on our show today uh not necessarily from the the broader picture of what a lot of folks may be talking on the news channels, but almost from a sports perspective with athletes getting involved in the discussion and uh it does remind us of of Colin Kaepernick and taking a knee and uh something that kind of at times goes through through waves of Dismissal, like okay, that was over. That was a period of time in the NFL, and then comes back a little bit when there's discussion. And we've had it on this show: should somebody sign him? Will somebody sign him? Uh, would he play in the spring league? Would he play in Canada? Does he want to play football, or or does he want to use the platform? Yeah. Uh, you know, discussions we've all had before. I, I think his name is getting brought up a lot mm-hmm. uh, in the last couple of days uh, when it comes to sports and athletes. And are people looking at him and what he did to take a knee differently uh, now? And I don't know if it's just the, ju- I don't know if it's the nature of what happened or it's the juxtaposition of the actual thing that did happen with a knee on a neck. Yeah. You know, and, mm-hmm. and so uh, I don't know if it's irony is the right word. Yeah. Uh, but, it certainly has brought Colin Kaepernick back into the conversation, mm-hmm. uh, and in that same context, it's brought uh, a guy like Peyton Thompson, who played cornerback for the Jacksonville Jaguars. He put out on social media earlier today a statement about that time, and really gave <laughs> you know a lot of love to Shad Khan, the Jaguars owner.
2: Yeah,
1: uh, but. Here's what Peyton Thompson said. The statement issued by the NFL is complete trash, which they came out with a statement today. Correct. Uh, That's a separate issue, I think, for now at least. But I specifically remember Tom Coughlin and Doug Marone telling us we couldn't kneel. Thank God we had an owner of minority who weighed in and got us to kneel together. My job security was on the line if I supported my people. Mm -hmm. Uh, The last part of that, meaning, hey, he obviously thought that if he went against, and, and that's what a lot of NFL players had to decide at that time correct eric reed and colin kaepernick are the most highly profiled but others did kneel and some kneel uh knelt for a uh, quite a long time after that yeah uh but if you remember in london which became an outcry uh, around here in jacksonville and part of the whole conversation with the nfl was Shad Khan, the only minority owner in the nfl uh linked arm in arm uh they weren't kneeling mm-hmm. uh Shad Khan, in london but uh, some players were mm-hmm. and the, the arms interlocked is the image that really stands out from that time. What's your takeaway from Peyton Thompson, who was on that roster, yeah. saying that uh, about
2: the owner and also Tom Coughlin and Doug Marone? Sure. Um, obviously, the first thing that comes to mind, I mean, and, and I quote he said this in his tweet, I specifically remember Tom Coughlin and Doug Marone telling us that we couldn't kneel. OK, so right off the bat. Um, you know, he essentially, I don't want to say it, threw underneath the bus, because that's, that's pretty strong. I mean, let's be honest. Did he throw him underneath the bus, or did he just kind of say it like it was? I mean, with Tom Coughlin, listen, I think, Brent, we, we would all agree here that Tom Coughlin is an old school individual. Okay. I mean, there, there's a reason why he's along with the Jacksonville Jaguars organization. There's a reason why that he clashed, it seemed like, with a lot of players on that team last year. Okay. And he, he comes from, um, a style, from a philosophy of football. That is kind of being outdated now. Okay, um, it's showing that it's not really working unless you you build all check in with the Patriots. Let's be honest. So with Tom Coughlin, uh, now listen, I, I'm taking Peyton Thompson at his word here. I wasn't there, Brent. I mean, m- maybe you were, maybe in Locker, maybe you heard different things. I wasn't there. So just going off of this though, with Tom Coughlin, obviously. Uh, I'm not trying to disrespect anybody, but it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me. It, it wouldn't surprise me if Tom Coughlin said, you guys got to stand. You can't kneel. Okay? I think that we heard, we heard stories of owners saying this to their players. Yeah. Um, I think there are other head coaches that said this to the players. Like, this doesn't really shock me, I guess. Like, for instance, like Peyton Thompson tweeted this, and I think he expected people would be shocked. Now, yeah. don't get me wrong. People should be shocked. I'm not shocked. I mean, I, I know how NFL locker rooms work. I mean, what we're talking about where if you're on the bubble, a team's not going to sign you because you've had one too many headaches you reported, right? So you never report concussions and things like that. So the NFL is cutthroat. So as far as Tom Coughlin's concerned, no, I, I'm not surprised where he said that he couldn't kneel. Now with Doug Marone, see, Doug Marone's a different story here because you can argue that Doug Marone also got thrown underneath the bus and the awkward situation right now, obviously, is that Doug Marone is still the is the current head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. He still has a job right now in the NFL. So with Doug Marone, listen, once again, I don't know. I wasn't there. One would think, though, that the way things kind of transpired with that season with Tom Coffin, Doug Marone, Tom Coffin was calling the shots. Now, I get it. Doug Marone's a grown man. And maybe you stand up and say, you know, what, this is what I believe in. Maybe that happened. Maybe it didn't happen. Like, it's just there's a lot of things that I don't know, Brent, that it's hard for me to comment on. All I know is that I think Tom Coughlin was the guy that was responsible for this. I think Doug Marone could have voiced something, could have not voiced something, but obviously his voice didn't carry, and the players had to bother what Tom Coughlin had to say. But the biggest thing out of this whole thing, okay, the biggest thing is Shad Khan. Okay, because of what it says about Shad Khan. Yes, I understand that Shad Khan's a minority owner and he should do this type of stuff, right? But keep in mind with Shad Khan what was going on. He hired Tom Coughlin. He hired Doug Marone, okay? These people were put in charge for the football operations. Shad Khan, not much of an X's and O's guy. Not really sure how much he you knows about football, but like this was him kind of overstepping the boundary of saying, you know what? Yes, I know I put you guys in charge of the locker room. I put you guys in charge of the culture, but this this is my call on this one. And I think it says a lot about Shad Khan of what his belief system is, number one, and number two, just, you know, the type of respect that he's earned from some of his players.
1: Yeah, and uh, to take you back to 2017, by the way, it's a complicated issue. In hindsight, it becomes a lot easier. We know what happened after, Mm -hmm. but nobody knew the reaction of what would take place completely. Uh, whether it was over there, you know, a lot of people offended by, uh, the jaguars standing during God Save the Queen and not the national anthem. This obviously turned into a national anthem debate, uh, more so than it did a social injustice debate, which was the whole purpose of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it's certainly debatable if 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 you if you did you use the right platform if people aren't talking about what you intended them to talk about. You know, I think that's worthy of a debate as well. I think that's what some people would say right now about some of the violence in the protesting. Are you getting away from what you're supposed to be? Uh, we're supposed to be talking about, you know, we're supposed to be protesting. We're supposed to be changing. Um And those are discussions uh, that certainly happen. But to take you back to 17. Uh, players, I think as many as, uh, 10 players, uh, or a dozen players knelt during the anthem, including Jalen Ramsey, Fournette, and Calais Campbell. Uh, but linked in arms that image of Brandon Linder, Mercedes Lewis, uh, and, uh, Telvin Smith with Shad Khan right in between. And then next to Telvin Smith is, is Doug Marone. And those were the captains, by the way, of the football sure. team, or three of the captains at the very least. But
2: one thing that stands out to me, can you name the players who are kneeling again, please?
1: Uh, Ramsey, yeah, Fournette, yeah. and Campbell, among a dozen. Yeah, yeah,
2: but um, obviously, and listen, I don't know exactly who those who the twelve were, whoever that did that kneel, but I would venture a guess because you just said three of them, the guys that kneeled, or the guys that had nothing to lose. And when I say that, I don't mean nothing to lose in the stand, But you, you know what I'm saying? Where yes. it's like, well, you're, you're not going to kick Jalen Ramsey off the team. Yeah. Not going to kick Klayas Campbell. Yeah, you're not going to yeah. suspend him or anything. Um, now, so, Fournette was a rookie at the time,
1: which is interesting. Yeah. It's an interesting stance to take as a rookie. Sure. Uh, but I get what you're saying. But you know
2: what I'm saying. He's yeah. a huge part of the team.
1: Of course. Um, and, and it's right. From Peyton Thompson's standpoint, he's, okay, he can be cut the next day. Mm-hmm. So you get it. Because, uh, listen, if we're being critical of everybody here, if you could – could people and i don't know the reaction of peyton thompson i saw his tweet i didn't really look at a lot of the responses but would people criticize him would they say well why didn't you kneel anyway if you believe in it sure you know yeah um but that is a real thing you have a you might lose a spot a roster spot a job mm-hmm. and that was on the line uh, you know from the old school perspective of it and i'm not going to get defensive for coughlin marone anybody else i i, I I wonder how much came across from "Hey, we're not going to kneel for one," the the anthem and the mm-hmm. belief in, in that, uh, in the flag. Two, they just didn't want to participate in any kind of protest. Mm-hmm. Or three, which is really maybe the most likely, is that uh, people like Coughlin, people like c- football coaches in general, really, mm-hmm. they don't want distractions. Sure. Right. So their first go to is, no, no, we're not doing anything that's going to have a distraction. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. Uh, again, in hindsight, would they have thought differently? Would they have made, you know, known the importance of it, known what it would have meant? You know, uh, the discussion, the conversations that would later take place. And of course, the criticisms that would follow, too. We don't know. Uh, so, therefore, it's hard for me to say, OK, this was the motivation behind why Coughlin said it yeah. or Marone said it. Um, but either way, I think you bring up the most interesting point is Shad Khan. We just asked in the last segment, should the Jaguars say something? Do they have a duty or responsibility to say something, do something? Quite frankly, I don't know what that is. Mm-hmm. But I do think as Shad Khan, a minority owner in the NFL. And what I would say on top of that, it's not an NFL thing. I think it's a Jacksonville thing. There are mm-hmm. protests in Jacksonville. Uh, this exists in our community, um, a, a divide at times in Jacksonville and anybody that's lived here for longer than a couple of years, I think would readily admit that and acknowledge that. And it might exist in every community, but if you live in this community, you know. And I think uh, I would say J- Shad Khan is a very powerful voice in our community. Absolutely. Uh, and I know he didn't ask to be that necessarily, but he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's at, at times a voice of reason, mm-hmm. um, but also a very powerful one at that. And so I would think if you would put the top, In terms of power players in this city, Mm -hmm. he'd be certainly right near the top of the list.
2: No, without a doubt. You know, I mean, and I think it it was powerful of Tony Khan to say something, you know, and uh, to be fair, obviously, Tony Khan, his son, I think, you know, Tony Khan being the the, the younger guy, obviously, maybe has a little more of a finger of the pulse of, you know, what's going on right now in, in society in terms of you know, the type of people that he attracts, right? Because we talk about a guy right now who owns All eight Wrestling, you know, I mean, and he owns one of the largest wrestling businesses in the world. And number one, that's great for the city, and it, it, it's great for another minority owner, if you will. So, um, yeah, I thought Tony Khan's tweet, you know, I mean, I thought it spoke volumes, obviously, and we'll, we'll see with Shad Khan, you know, I mean, I guess it begs the question of, would you rather see Shad Khan tweet something, or would you rather see the Jaguars as a whole tweet something, right? Because there's two differences here.
1: Well, I, I would say whatever, uh, if the Jaguars issue a statement, I kind of believe it's from Khan. True. You know, okay. uh, yeah. and maybe it will be personalized from him, but I believe mm-hmm. it represent him one way or another. Uh, so That's correct, th- yeah. th- that will happen, whether their action statement, um, and again, I, I, I don't know what that answer is. I, mm-hmm. I just think we'll, I never, I don't think it's a bad thing um yeah uh for the owner of the Jacksonville jaguars to say something and and it might be like that in every community sure. uh, with a with a sports franchise in every sports franchise i also will say this i don't think it's their duty or obligation to do it sure but much like we talked about with athletes earlier if there's feel compelled if uh they kind of understand the place of importance and the voice is going to be heard mm-hmm. and they can say something that's impactful meaningful um and and uh and it makes sense, yeah. I, I think, certainly. And that might take a couple of days. It doesn't have to be right today. Yeah. It, it, maybe it happens sometime this week.
2: Well, and, and the cool thing, too, is I don't think Shad Khan really concerns about the optics of how he's perceived with other teams in the NFL or in the league in general, right? Because if you remember, when he did interlock hands you know, with those captains, not every owner was doing that, okay? And I think there were some owners that came out and said, you know, they don't want their players doing anything. You yeah. know, I mean, and I think one of those owners was like, oh, because he said those kind of comments. So I think Shad Khan's always been a guy who, you know, he's kind of gone against the grain sometimes in terms of, of how owners, um, you know, have, have handled these kind of situations. So I wouldn't be surprised if it's something big comes down the pipeline. Not saying that it should shut him. I'm just saying I wouldn't be surprised if you do hear from Shad Khan. I wouldn't be surprised if you hear from the Jacksonville Jaguars who kind of set a precedent a little bit just because Shad Khan, especially with these kind of things, has always gone against the grain. One last thing about uh,
1: the Jaguars as it relates to what has gone on in the last few days and if they will do anything or or be vocal or a statement or whatever it might be, uh, especially uh, – by the way, I'm not saying that they need to respond to Peyton Thompson's tweet either. No. Uh, sure. I would have said – I think I would have had this conversation today regardless. Uh, but I, I do – I'm curious about it. Um, it's interesting in that locker room. We've talked about how young they are. Mm-hmm. I, I think I saw Ronnie Harrison tweet something. I don't know how many players have. I haven't really checked, but it's interesting in time like this where you trade away Calais Campbell. You mentioned Calais Campbell's thoughts, and Calais has actually has been pretty vocal, at least on Twitter, um, with some some thoughts of his own. Yeah, and. Uh, that's a guy in a locker room that you normally would say, hey, if there's somebody gonna say something about it and and it's going to mean something and be impactful through the experiences, through who you know, what he's done in, in this city, mm-hmm. you know, um with different foundations and things like that, it it would maybe come from a guy like Calais Campbell. My point being there is not that presence right now <laughs> on the NFL. The, uh, on, the, on the Jags. Mm-hmm. There really is not that presence. We've talked about it from a football standpoint, from a leadership standpoint. But I don't know who we would hear from, from the Jags, as a player standpoint, that would really resonate. Mm-hmm. So therefore, it might even be more incumbent on someone like Shad Khan to say something to represent the organization in a meaningful and impactful way.
2: It's a great call. And also, listen, we'll, we'll see what comes because let's be honest. I mean, Peyton Thompson essentially called out Doug Marone. Okay. And the way he worded that tweet said Doug Marone didn't do his part in letting players kneel. Okay. Now, does Doug Marone have to address the media about this? I probably wouldn't say so. But I guarantee players in the locker room saw that tweet. Okay. And like you said, a very young NFL locker room, the youngest in the NFL, I mean, the youngest in the league. And if players see that, I mean, they could be kind of turned off a little bit to that tweet of, of what it said. And maybe they're kind of having. of thoughts about well what is this doug marone guy really about you know especially the rookie class coming in so i think eventually you know whether it's on a zoom call or that first team meeting i think doug marone has to address it you know and i think he will address it and kind of share his story a little bit now once again whether that story is going to be made to the media that's on him and i'm not gonna be mad either way but i think it's something that should be brought up in the locker room i think it's something that should be brought up for the culture because we talked about last year just you know how bad it was and how players were disgruntled and everything well this isn't going to be a good start I think if Dungramon doesn't address it.
1: Uh by the way speaking of uh you know in meetings and will this this topic at least be discussed? Not necessarily sure. specific to Peyton Thompson's mm-hmm. tweet. Uh but uh, Jim Trotter tweeted this out from Anthony Lynn, uh, head coach of the LA Chargers says... um asked if he was going to address it he said we are now some coaches started last week my first meeting is 4 a.m with rookies tomorrow morning the uprising for social justice in this country will take priority honestly don't know where the message will go it's going to be a real organic conversation i want it to be player driven my hope is that we can be vulnerable with each other and a better teammate when it's all over uh so that is what's taking place uh, in in the athletic arena in these meetings and i think those are discussions so Mm -hmm. take away the fact that that uh the Peyton Thompson tweet of Doug Marone and what you're you're talking about. I think during these virtual meetings, these virtual periods, position coaches and maybe Doug Marone himself, I think has to probably say something, has to address it. And uh he's a leader of young men. Absolutely. And a lot of African American young men. Uh, and so I do think it's important to, to have those discussions for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, and every workplace, by the way, not just sports, but probably every family workplace and, and, uh, but obviously we're talking, uh, specifically to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Okay. Didn't get the Gardner Minshew there. We're going to do it next. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a conversation with Gardner Minshew's trainer. Now, Gardner Minshew has like 45 coaches. Okay. It's crazy. But one of them. <laughs> is uh, this man uh, down in Naples. Yeah. And it's an interesting story how he got to be the coach. Yeah. His strength and speed coach in the off offseason. Yep. Uh, and some of the things they're doing as well to kind of reshape Gardner Minshew and get him ready for what is obviously a huge year.
2: Now keep in mind, Gardner Minshew, and Kuz, I want you to listen to this. Gardner Minshew is still on his rookie contract. Let's keep in mind. But what's more of a flex? Having an outdoor fireplace or having a posture coach? Coos, your thoughts.
0: I need a posture coach. What if I right. have both? <laughs> he, he meets with his posture coach on oh, yeah. the
2: fireplace. Hey, I, I'm going to say this. Through the time known Brent Marno, yeah, there's been some allergy incidents, but he's never complained once about a lower back issue. Now it really makes you wonder how much money he's bringing to the table. I usually just complain about my hips and lower back after shooting
1: like a 93 on the golf course. It's got to <laughs> be an no excuse. No one wants to hear it, by the way. I got to have an excuse losing by 15 shots to tie or something, <laughs> you know. Uh, when we come back, Gardner Minshew. His offseason and an ESPN the body issue coming up next on ESPN sixty.
0: Like that person with me. So going through the process, I remember, I remember the Redskins was one of the teams that hopped in and, and was really trying to sign me because of all the damage I did to them early in my career. I remember Dan Snyder personally. <laughs> sending me his private jet i was in la he works. <laughs> and, he, and he sent me his private jet he was like man just get on the plane we're gonna figure out the, the contract after that but rg3 actually came to my house in uh in calabasas and he was like man please bro just come play with me but man i just felt like i just wanted to go play against y'all twice a year bro like i was like i'm gonna stay in the division because i want them to see me twice a year bro so i mean i wouldn't say it was a, you know it was anything for chip but i was like i, I was gonna let them see what they missed out about the release
1: <laughs> Deshaun Jackson saying, "I don't think it was a chip. I want to play against the old team. Plus,
2: uh, yeah, that's a chip. Dude. That's a that's a big old chip. That's a, that's a whole thing of Pringles, that's if us, you will. That's yeah. Ruffles. That's Ruffles. There you go. <laughs> for sure. Uh, and, uh, kudos uh,
1: from Martin Buckley, by the way, from Palm Beach Autographs for playing uh, Rage Against the Machine. At some point, uh, he's a big fan. Did you play that coming in? You I must, must have it at some point. Must, oh, have. Maybe I it I must sound like it. And then, but uh, it's not really the moral of this story." Uh, I, I said, it certainly wasn't me who picked it.
2: He thought maybe it was you. <laughs> you know, it was, was coups. Cool.
1: And I said, uh, he says, said to me, we need to elevate your music game. We're going to assign you albums.
2: <laughs> I like that. A little homework every night, Brent. <laughs> like a summer, like uh, a summer you just, reading.
0: You, yeah. you know have time to on your hands.
2: Even the other golf course, you can play a little bit. You can play it from the, from the, you oh. know, the cart.
0: I, fun- want him, I want him to have to go through a golf course listening to the Jay-Z Lincoln Park
2: album. <laughs> okay, so, now I mean, uh, are you trying to, is that a punishment for Brent or not? Because the, the, the Jay-Z...
0: I just think Brent on the golf course listening to that would be yeah. a really
2: funny sight. What, what, what do they call that, collision course? Wasn't that or something? Ah, uh, yeah. Whatever, it was, I but, yeah, forget. I remember that album. The
1: The funny thing about it is, like, Rage Against a Machine, yep. I, when I played, when I was in college... I did mm-hmm. a lot of radio in college, but I was like did a lot of the DJing. Nice. And so you know we had some sports shows as well, but I mean cool. I really did a lot for the radio station. At, not not like I did a lot for it, but I did a lot of work with the radio station. Help <laughs> help grow it to the powerhouse. To the juggernaut that it is I today. I kind of made it what <laughs> it is today, which is, is really is <laughs> It's like the disbanded program or something. Sure, so, sure. Yeah, maybe I did do a lot Tyler for it. radio. Brent Martineau. I like it, man. Uh, but I I mean I would play. I'd probably work at the radio station like. Four or five days a week, yeah. Whether it was doing sports shows or or doing shifts, mm. and so that like Rage Against the Machine, and uh, like I knew that stuff at that time. Sure, you know it was at, I I was third eye blind. It okay, was okay
2: name dropping, flexing. Give me some more. I grew. It was Green Day at that time. <laughs> Green Day was uh, big. Uh, no, uh, no, a little before, right? A little no. before that. You know, it might have been, but... Smashing Pumpkins? Oh, yeah, Smashing oh, Pumpkins. Smashing no Pumpkins. Come, Come on Jam. now. Come on. Oh, oh, Pearl Jam. Course, Come, on. Come on, Kuz. Come on. any more Brave Busters? No. I mean, I listen... To- the one thing I do,
1: like... Uh, and Martin, by the way, is a huge Pearl Jam guy. Yeah. But I-, I listened to... When we drove to Ohio my senior year, my buddy and I, because we went and visited Ashland, sure. uh, and it was like an 11, 12-hour drive, the whole drive was Pearl Jam's album. Well, there's a lot of albums out there? there.
2: What was their like, first one, though? Ten? Uh, I think... Well, Ten's like their... I think the popular one. I think so. It um, must yeah, have been that ten. one. But it's yeah. like,
1: cause I, so I know all those Pearl Jam songs because we listened to that nonstop. Like, there
2: was the whole day, way there and a whole yeah. way back. Yeah. Um.
1: But after that, I can't tell it's you. It's
2: probably their tenor verse. Did, do you remember what was on the album cover? No. Was there? Okay. <laughs> I'm not, no. oh yeah. Okay. Let's stop right there. Well, okay. All I'm gonna say is, what is it like, like playing Pearl Jam and then like turning the volume down in your studio, playing Garth Brooks the whole time? Though? Is that what you did? <laughs> I like, did. How did you know? How did I you didn't. know when the Pearl Jam or Rage Against the Machine stopped? Because you couldn't hear it. Because you're playing Garth Brooks yeah, in I your own studio. Though. Oh, you weren't though. Nah, you're, but it was. Of,
1: it was automated, so <laughs> I didn't <laughs> yep. really have to listen to it. There it is. All.
2: There it is. Yep. <laughs> uh,
1: uh. Brett Martin, also Lane, Coos, and
2: that's it. No more talk about music. Well, can I just say one more thing though? It's crazy how much Kuz is trying to grow up to be like you now because you just told that story. Kuz is taking up golf now and he's all addicted. He's talking to me about shots in the rough and God knows what. So, like, it's crazy. Like, this is like, it's like Pokemon. And, like, Brent's like the final evolution. And Kuz, you're, you're like the first evolution right now. So, like, in the middle, there's going to be something. And, like, 10 years down the line, Kuz will be like the next Brent Martin. I
1: didn't get the reference at all,
2: but I appreciate it. Kuz, you don't know talk talking about, <laughs> no, right? Yeah, there's, yeah, there's, yeah, there's, yeah <laughs> like, there's like, yeah, whatever. You, you got it. I know what's going yeah, on. Yeah, you're, you're like trying. Carmelian and Brent's like Charizard right now. Um, for a Pokemon, by the way, he's like
1: Mary. He's marrying a uh, a golf professional, sure. so he's just trying to keep up.
0: Yeah, okay, I just want to be able to go out on the golf course with her and not embarrass her completely. Yeah,
1: so he says, like he's at Jack's Beach playing the other day, and he said, yeah, the rough was like. Tall, he kind of said grass, he didn't really say rough, I'm helping him.
0: And, <laughs> and,
2: it was like taller than yeah, rough, like it was. It, it what's was what's tall. taller than rough, bro? You got something? Weeds. <laughs> it was weeds, so yes. I st- Palm trees, what <laughs> are you talking about? <laughs> it's yeah, okay. Tall grass. Yeah.
1: And he's like, and I whiffed. And I was like, well, how did you whiff? I mean, that's not got anything to do with the grass most of the time, unless you completely went underneath it. But he said, he guess, like, he hit it fat and it stopped, oh, yeah. he hit, like three inches behind it. Yeah. So that can happen. Is that pH fat or just FAT? Uh, yeah. That was FAT. Okay.
2: <laughs> oh, well, you guys get on the same page. All right, what do you uh, got for us, Bert? Trust me when it comes yeah, to golf. It's that was a, FAT. Let's get on the same page here. Okay, anyways. Uh,
1: anyway, Gardner Minshew and uh, his kind of behind the scenes of his offseason workout. I caught up with his one of his trainers, uh, and it's his speed and strength guy down in Naples. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Walker, Jags receiver, also uh, trains with him. And interesting stuff, man. How often did you work out with, like, those kind of guys? Did you just do strength and conditioning
2: with Milo or
1: whatever yeah. else? Or did you have any specialty um, trainers, if yeah. you will?
2: So uh, when I got let go by the Jacksonville Jaguars, like, that summer leading up to me going to Kansas City, because remember, I got I like let go in the spring, so the training camp was coming up for Kansas City Chiefs. I went to a specialist. Um, a couple of them, actually, in Tampa Bay. And... The whole, you know, philosophy was obviously gaining weight because I had to play a three, four defensive tackle. So I had to gain weight. And then I also had to work on my craft now of like the skill position. So I actually had like a defensive tackle specialist I worked with. And then I worked with like a, like a muscle building specialist as well, which just revolved around me eating a lot of calories and then lifting a lot of weights.
1: Was that just like a one-time thing?
2: Yeah, that was a one-time thing to get me prepped for Kansas City. Once I got um, to Kansas City, obviously it was under their stuff, got let go, and then my time in Chicago was with just like their strength staff. Okay. Uh,
1: Mm -hmm. Because on the other side of this, we'll talk a little bit about what is said here because there are some interesting things, but also I I do have this question, like, are there too many coaches? Are there too many voices? Can you run into that Mm -hmm. if you're a professional athlete? Because you can obviously specialize in so many different things, and while it's valuable, does it pull at you? A little bit too much um we'll talk about that in, in just a moment or two uh the the name of this trainer is Anthony Tumborello down in Naples and they just met last off season. you'll hear the conversation about how they met uh, thanks to Michael Walker Michael Walker's from the Naples area mm-hmm. and Michael Walker is Gardner's roommate and so before Gardner Minshew became kind of Gardner Minshew like this in the NFL mm-hmm. this guy was working with him then all of a sudden Boom, Minshew mania. And now as you go into this season, starting quarterback of the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. uh, Caught up with Anthony Tumborello. Takes us a little bit behind the scenes on Gardner Minshew's offseason from a strength and speed standpoint. Uh, Listen up.
0: Yeah, so basically it started right after the Super Bowl. Um, We we put a plan together to figure out, hey, we want to get stronger and faster. Um, He kind of knows where he wants to be weight-wise and what's a good weight for him to play. Um, We put this great plan together, and, and, you know, it's just been hard work since.
1: A little background here. This came together last year. His roommate up here in Jacksonville is Michael Walker, who's a native of Naples. And so you guys knew each other a little bit. He told Gardner about it. But, I mean, you had no idea Gardner Minshew would become kind of Gardner Minshew the way he is right now in the
0: NFL. No, no, no idea. Um, All all I was told was a six-round draft pick quarterback was coming in to do some summer training. Um, We met and we hit it off and, you know, we had a great summer workout and and little behold, next thing I know, a couple months later, he's the uh, starting quarterback for the Jaguars. So, you know, it's a told us all of his hard work.
1: But how common is this for quarterbacks across the NFL? Obviously, they've got the team stuff going on. I think everybody nowadays has a QB coach to some degree. Uh, And is there this third coach kind of like the way you are for Gardner?
0: Yeah, I, I think every quarterback has a strength and conditioning coach. Um there 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 has to be different coaches for different philosophies and different methods. You know, the quarterback coach has just gotta strictly work there. Me strength and conditioning, I just gotta work with the speed and work on building his muscle. Um, you know, and then there's nutritionists and there's different things and you know, it's it's really a whole team effort, you know, coming together and making sure that this that this rolls smoothly. Um, you know, he, he has a posture coach. So I'm always on a video call with him at some nights, you know, talking with a posture coach, okay, we need to throw these into the program, we need to do this, we need to add this. So, you know, there, there's different methods and and I think every quarterback should have one, if not probably does.
1: What does that mean? What's a posture coach? I mean, you made me sit up straight when you said that. Brian. Yeah.
0: So, so <laughs> um he he linked up with uh Brian Bradley who uh who works with the Gosku methods. Um they actually do a lot of stuff with the 49ers. Um, and pretty much they, they're, we're working on his posture. You know, that was the biggest key going in. We want to work on his posture. We want to work on his position, his stabilization, his balance. So all of those things, you know, it's not just lifting weights. So it's, you know, putting him in different uh, positions. He has different warm ups and different cooldowns that he has to do. And there, there's, there's a lot of methods that go into it.
1: Are you guys happy with where everything is at? Uh, he said he, he gained uh, initially, I think, got up to like 230, gained maybe 10 pounds or so, and now it's back between 222 and 225. I think that's a little minutiae to the average fan, but what does that mean to you guys? Is that where you guys want him to be?
0: Yeah, I mean, we want him to be where he feels good. And, and his comfortable weight right now, he's saying, is at that 220, 220, 225 ring. That's where he wants to be throwing that's where he wants to be. So, so that's, that's where we're going to get him. Can
1: you see the improvement? I mean, do, do you see something from last year maybe to this year in his strength and his speed that, that sticks out?
0: I actually see it from day one to where we are now. Um, and, and that's been the biggest stride is is how short of a time he's been able to do it. You know, he, he's he been so focused dialed in, you know, we came in again, we wanted to fix the posture. We're, we're definitely in the right direction. We wanted to lean out. We're definitely there. You know, I, I he wants to be on that ESPN cover magazine, so so that's that's you know when we're ready for that we'll be there. But you know, we're we've definitely physically from a physical standpoint where he is speed wise, and you know even him being in Mississippi, we virtually I virtually am sending him workouts to do. He's filming it, giving it back. We're getting feedback. So the strength and conditioning hasn't stopped for him. The speed training hasn't stopped for him. And I think movement wise, he's exactly where he wants to be right now. And and he's feeling fast. He's feeling great. And you know. That's just all his hard work. How much do
1: you take responsibility for what's about to happen in the fall? Uh, do you do you own that a little bit? I know it's on the player. I get it. You can't throw the football. You're not in the huddle. But yeah. uh, is there some kind of ownership to both guys or every guy that you train? But especially a guy like Gardner, who this is a huge year for him, obviously.
0: Yeah, and and my goal with this is always to make sure that they're the be- they're in the best position to be successful. Um, I I don't personally who I am. I, I don't take ownership in any of that stuff. You know, they come in and do the work. You know, we have a set plan and, and it's, it's, it's always joint effort. Um you know, I, 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 put them in the best position to be successful and I just hope that, you know, when they go on the fall, they, they do what they need to do and, and that we we'll, we're going to see it come 2020.
1: You mentioned a couple of guys, by the way, that's a big smile when you said, uh, we're going to see it come
0: 2020. I know it was yeah, a lot of I'm awesome. very excited. I, it's going to, it's going to definitely be an interesting year. A fun yep. year, fun year. <laughs> we're, we're hoping so too.
1: Well, that is Anthony Tumborello, works down at uh, in Naples with uh, various players, by the way, but including two Jaguars, Michael Walker and Gardner Minshew. And I, I love the story of how it came about. Michael Walker basically just said, hey, come on down. Mm-hmm. I got a guy, and uh, here we are. A year and a half later, they're working together. I know uh, a guy. It's how it always starts, right? <laughs> I know a does. guy. Well, it does, you know, and it also shows you kind of like, like, I don't know, and I'm going to say this with all due respect to Gardner, but I don't know if it's like, hey, I know a guy, check it out. If yeah. You're the number one overall pick, mm-hmm. or you're a top ten pick. Like you might be really cho- choosy about which guy you're going to, but you might be more, you know, or or your agent might say, "Hey, go to this guy," or "This is where all the guys go to," or this whatever. I kind of like this one. This was more organic. It fits Minshew to a T as mm-hmm. well. Just like, hey, yeah, like this guy, and, and check it out. Uh, I, I had about a twenty minute conversation with Anthony yeah. Tombrello. And uh, he's opening up his own performance uh, plates down there in Naples. It's really just fascinating, man. Just the stuff they work on. Like as I said, like do you have like a stopwatch. How do you know he's faster? Sure. And you know they know it's it's really all about the athlete. And you know this. It's about your body and what it says to you and how you feel. And we know this just from e- everyday life, maybe. But it, it, on on a different level of an athlete. If you feel good about yourself, you gain confidence about yourself, mm-hmm. and maybe you play better. You know, it's just it is a feel thing. You mm-hmm. know, I, I mean, there are days we all wake up and are like, man, I feel like I'm five pounds heavier, even though I'm not really. Yeah, you know. So I, you know, is is Gardner like that much faster? Does yeah. he feel faster? I guess those are uh, something they can answer more so. But he was talking about shin angles and and using your hips instead of your quads. And it's a very scientific approach to get him faster. One other thought, and I said, well, I would assume the only thing you really need to be faster at as a quarterback is trying to escape, right? Your quick lateral movements, your bursts to get out. They said, well, as much as he scrambled and he was second in scramble yards last year in the NFL, they actually are trying to get all levels. That Mm. initial to get out of there. And, and to show some burst but also that top level speed yep. to turn a 12 to 15 yard gain maybe into something more 20 to 25 yard gain yeah uh which is which is kind of cool with
2: Gardner Minshew I forgot where I heard Tiki Barber mention this but like he was going into a game or I'm sorry no he's going into a, like the week and he was coming off an injury and the media asked him maybe you were there Brent, for this I don't know if you were with the Giants but um they asked him like how you feeling and he goes I feel about 83% right now. (laughs) I wasn't. Okay. But But like they made such a big deal about that because they're like, why 83%? He's like, because I feel 83%. Like he was that in tune with his body where it's like, listen, I feel 83%. No one's going to really say that unless you know your body in and out like that. And like that was Tiki Barber at a time back in, you know, like the mid 2000s who was kind of ahead of the game when it came to that kind of stuff. Well, now every NFL player, we always talk about the modern era NFL athlete being in tune of, you know, obviously asking why and things in the locker room, but they're also in tune with their bodies. Yeah. Okay. Because the information, it's prevalent wherever you go on YouTube, you just type in something, you have a sore hip. Well, you can. Find 10 different websites that'll tell you how to fix that. You know, so I think athletes now are more in tuned than ever. And I think athletes right now are realizing that, yes, it's important to lift the weights, to add the muscle for beach season, to get those <laughs> covers of, you know, the ESPN, the, the body issue or muscle and fitness. That's important. But where you're going to make the difference, where you're going to make the bread at, and Aaron Campman, I talk about him all the time, he was genius at this, is knowing your own body right? Like when, when we're in high school, like sure. Yeah. We start lifting weights and everything, but we kind of key on knowing our own body. But the older we get, we kind of take it for granted a little bit to the time where our hips hurt, our calves hurt, our feet hurt. And we don't know why. So it's cool to hear from Gardner Mintry's perspective where he's ahead of the game right now. You know, like he's doing all these different things because he has to, he has to have complete control of his body, especially at a position, which is so demanding. So, uh, it is refreshing to hear this kind of talk. You know, I mean, I think Tom Brady's another guy that stands out to you, you know, who's always doing the next biggest thing, whether it's eating avocado ice cream or, yeah. or turning up a workout just because he's trying to find that fountain of youth. Now, let's be honest. Gardner Minshew going into a second year doesn't need the fountain of youth per se, but he needs his body to perform at the most optimum levels that he can produce. And adding these little things like a, a posture coach, if you will, like you know, uh, you know the speed and performance part of it, it's only going to get him there.
1: Well, and I think by the way, in terms of his body, what he's comfortable at, it's all based on him. It's it's mm-hmm. nobody else telling him to be. Uh, certain, it's like uh, what I feel like I can play well at. I can be fast. I can show arm strength. I can feel comfortable at. But I'm more durable. All those things, and there's a good chance he even gains a little bit more weight going into camp, as, assuming there is a regular camp because down here in Florida you lose a, a couple pounds uh, <laughs> yeah, to, to be ready for the season. Be interesting just to see if some of the things he's doing works out and pans out. And I can tell you, Anthony Tombrello. He, I mean, the smile he got on his face. If you watch the video portion of that, because we did just play that on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and, and Twitch. Uh People that are working closely with Gardner Minshew are fired up about Gardner Minshew's year. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I I know I've been kind of fired up about it, too, and and very defensive and sometimes whiny about Gardner (laughs) Minshew. But there is something there with this guy, man. I tell you, and I think a lot of my bias nature maybe to that or believability, I wouldn't even call it bias. I just think it's more believability in him, comes from when I went to that trip to Brandon, Mississippi. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's where that stuff was born. And some guys are different. You know, listen, nobody would have pegged Russell Wilson to do what he's done. Nobody would have pegged Drew Brees, quite frankly, to do what he's done. And I'm not saying he's going to be those guys. But you don't necessarily have to be those guys to be a success and, and do a lot of good things in the NFL mm-hmm. if you can start inching closer to those guys. And it's just I feel like there's the Minshew story is something we're going to latch on to and tell. And it's it feels like one of those stories eight years from now, ten years from now, you're going to be like, well, you could kind of see this coming. But some people didn't want to believe it. Yeah. And, you know, there was more to it. Take the physical nature of things. Everybody talks about, not everybody, I, I, I don't think this is a constant conversation, but the knocks on him can be arm strength and his size. Yeah. Well, we, a couple weeks ago, said, yeah, but look at his hands. His hands are huge, right? Correct. It's kind of an un- it's like this goofy yeah. trade of a quarterback that people really don't really spend a lot of time on because, like, who cares how big his hands are? Well, it's an important factor in some quarterbacks.
2: At the combine, you yeah, had the second biggest hands um, next to Tyree Jackson, I believe, who's like the 6'8 the, the guy from Buffalo. Yes. I mean, we interviewed him, Just a too. Huge I mean, guy. Yeah, that, that made sense, obviously. Yeah, yeah.
1: And, and, and like I said, it's also a great example. Just because you have huge hands doesn't mean you're going to be a great quarterback. He can't sure. even find a roster. Correct. So, yeah. But the other thing about. Minchu, and I heard this in Brandon, Mississippi, when he was like a sophomore in high school, mm-hmm. and I heard it again from Anthony, is how much he can move with his legs, is w- is weight, mm-hmm. how strong he is on his bottom half. Mm-hmm. Well, nobody's sitting there and looking at that and knows that. <laughs> I didn't know. <laughs> but th- don't you think in the in the NFL, in all sports, legs are so important. I mean, mm-hmm. heck, I talk about it with the kids and hitting and, and, and te- check anybody. It's all about your legs. Throwing is all about what? Footwork in your legs and your bottom half, too. Much more maybe than at times than your, even your upper half. Correct. And so – Those are little things that people don't talk about because they see arm strength. You can measure arm strength. You can measure height. But you can't. You're not talking about hands. And you really don't talk about your base or your core or all those things very much. We don't break that down on a daily basis here on the show. But those are two hidden things that you could look back on maybe five years from now if Minshew's having success and say, Well, listen, man, he had some of these things. Nobody wanted to talk about it.
2: Yeah. Well, and listen, I mean, if you're Gardner Minshew, there's a reason why you can rock jean shorts that come down like, three inches off your waist, right? Because you, you have the thighs, you have the hamstrings to pull it off. I mean, you know, we hear it all the time. The, 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 the guy is, far, is a workout warrior. And I love what you said there. Uh, you know, like we – I think we, we get concerned sometimes, like, how much G bench press? And then so, again, it, it's 2020, but we're still like, well, how big of arms does he have? You know, what does his chest look like? And sometimes you kind of neglect the lower body a little bit. Listen, I played with one of the strongest guys in terms of bench press in the history of the NFL. His name was Stephen Paya. I think Stephen Paya set the combine record at the time from Oregon State, played in Chicago, but he set the combine record, I think, with 45 times at 225. That's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Bench press 225, 45. And these aren't, like, half reps. These are, you know, the Arizona strength coach yelling at you, get down, get it up. So, like... You saw it firsthand in the weight room. Now, Stephen Paya was a great player in his own right, but he wasn't an all-pro. Okay, like he he wasn't a difference maker, and he was probably the strongest guy in terms of upper body you're ever going to find. But there's the, the there's the bench press strength, there's the weight room strength, and then there's the strength that can be used on the football field, and that comes from like you said, your core and your lower body. And I think the fact that Gardner Minshew is addressing this, he's trying to improve on this. We know the work ethic's there, and it's always going to be there. There's a reason why Garner Minshew right now is a starting quarterback of the Jacksonville Jaguars, because his work ethic got him to where he's at. But now he's surrounding himself with the tools to be successful. He's surrounding himself, obviously, with these extra tools of, you know, the, the strength and conditioning, with the posture coach, all this stuff. And the Jaguars surrounding him with some tools as well. So I get what you're saying in terms of the hype, man, and I don't think it's overblown. I think it's warranted. I think right now you can see something special from Gardner Mitchell this year.
1: Now he's just got to go do it, uh, and this will fall on deaf ears. But again, everybody you talk to is everybody works hard. Yeah. You're not in, in the NFL if you don't work hard. Yeah, different level, different gear for this guy, man. Yeah. In terms of getting after it, and and there are those separators, right? Yep. I mean, Puzz is a separator guy, right? Yep. Gardner Minshew might be that separator guy in that arena. Um, you know he might be the the plus one yeah. percent uh, even in the NFL when it comes to that when we come come back. We, are there too many coaches for some of these guys? ESPN the body issue. You think uh, w- would you like to do it? He might. Yeah, yeah. Um, and what is a posture coach? A little more detail well, on that.
2: And I'm also hit up with Kingsbury real quick to make sure Kyler Murray has his own posture coach for my fantasy football team this Very year. Very good. And, yeah. a Next and a fireplace. On ESPN 690. <laughs>
0: this is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on.